The baggies have lift off. It may have been nervy, it may have been hairy, but it wouldn't have been Albion without that, would it? We'll talk Swansea, defenders, the new boys, warm front holdings, and the off-field debacle, as well as leads on this week's Baggies broadcast. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Baggies broadcast. My name is Johnny Drury. I'm with the main Albion ES man, Lewis Cox, here to talk about everything Albion. Coxie, how are things, pal? I wrote this script yesterday because we were going to record on a Monday. So it says here, <laughs> recording on a Monday, I hope you're bright and breezy to attack the week. Anyway, it it's, was... a tu- it's a Tuesday morning now, so I hope you're still bright and breezy. Well, it was not a bright and breezy Monday, Johnny, so Tuesday feels... Even less bright and breezy, but there we are. Um, there we are, mate. Always a pleasure to see you. Hope you're good. And um, yeah, I mean, a win, wasn't it? So that's that's nice. Monday was a bit chaotic with other things, wasn't it, as we were just speaking about? But um, yeah, we'll, we'll get on to that, I'm sure. And uh, yeah, good to see you, mate. Yeah, we will get on to that indeed. We've got a lot to talk about. Um, no midweek game this week. So we're going to focus on Swansea. Um, we'll start there. I was debating, you know, whether to go with another alternative Albion this week and just to hammer refs. But I've calmed down a bit now. After Saturday, I've calmed down a bit. I was apoplectic. <laughs> the Monday apop- to Tuesday has calmed you down. I was apoplectic. Is the thing. Apoplectic is the word. On Saturday, when Alex Palmer was booked for what the referee perceived to be time-wasting. Um, yeah, I'm just going to leave it. I'm just going to leave it. Because uh, there was a dodgy decision in the Monday night game, which went against... One of our nearest rivals, which probably made me feel a little bit better about referees. Um, so, yeah, never on mind. One hand, on, on one hand, I'll we'll leave it there. Amusing, wasn't it Monday night? It was highly amusing. On the other hand, it, you know, just the, the general state of decisions and VAR decisions, you know, the mind boggles. But yeah, so we're going to leave that there. I'm going to let the referees wind me up again on Friday, and then we'll go again with alternate Balpin next week. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to be quite quite reserved this week, um, even though I did say on Twitter I was going to have another Twitter rant. Another podcast rant, but there we go. Right, Coxie Swansea. Um, I said it before, and I said it sort of in my notebook analysis um, throughout the game, or during the game and before the game. Uh, it was a case I just needed a win, and we'll go into the, the various positives and negatives, but they're off the mark now, which is just, it's almost not a monkey off the back, but just a one first one ticked off. Let's move on. Let's get on a run, essentially. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The longer any club lets a winless run to start grip a season, just the the more sort of bleak and difficult things become, don't they? And, and when you would, yeah, if you were to couple that with obviously things at Albion off the field, um, a difficult transfer window, obviously the overall picture, a winless run to start the season is, is the last thing anyone needed. You know, just to... Uh, the optimism in within the fan base is, I don't know, at best split. Is that a fair thing to say? Uh, so, yeah. um, so you, you know, the, the longer a winless run went on, that that would obviously drain from from those that do still have a bit of optimism for for things on the field. And um, it was that important, wasn't it, to do it in the first home game? Look, we know they've been back to back away defeats. And I think I said on the last podcast, didn't I? I, I do. I, I, I'm a bigger fan as a cup run as, as the next supporter, but. I do take a, a cup defeat in the current context and circumstance with a bit of a pinch of salt, especially when we know, I don't know, the state of Albion's squad and when, you know, that's a competition where you, you 
you rotate and and stuff. Obviously, the opening day was a, was a big blow. Um, but I think Albion bounced back from that reasonably well, I would say. I think certain players bounced back from that reasonably well. Um, don't get me wrong, the final 20 minutes plus stoppages were a shame. But I, I suppose didn't didn't cost Albion in the end at least. I clearly can't go on conceding two goals a game. Clearly it highlighted something regards set pieces to work on. It was just a total set piece game, wasn't it? All five goals. Um, but I think for 60, 65, 70 minutes, we saw um, a lot of a lot of encouraging things. Um, you know, we saw, like, don't get me wrong, we, we've gone into the first home game of the season without a recognised striker centre forward. And I think that says a lot about you know, where Albion are, the struggles off the field, obviously, um, the squad. But, you know, the level of irony that three goals were scored without a striker in the side. Um, so, and yeah, I thought Albion looked professional, controlled, composed. Um, might not have created loads but were efficient took their chances comfortable limited Swansea until it just you know the changes did they make Alvin a bit edgy I'd say so and then started falling apart from set pieces didn't they as, as Hall's giant sorry Hall Swansea's giant back line came to came to the party and started disrupting things but to say thankfully got over the line it was a bit edgy wasn't it Johnny I know you were a bit um, on the edge of your seats towards the end of the game but but we got there I suppose we did get there in the end, indeed. A few points I just want to talk on. Um, you, you mentioned the striking department there. Now, for the lack of sort of maybe clear-cut chances the other day, there was probably two or three times where Jed Wallace has done what Jed Wallace does um, and put a ball right across the corridor of the box, and it hasn't been finished. You know, that's crying out for a you know a goal-poaching striker. Now, I haven't seen a lot of Josh Madger, but he... Um, if he if he's got that striker's instinct, you'd like to think he's going to be able to, you know, not clean up but get a decent amount of goals given the service that he's probably going to get. Um, you could say arguably from both flanks. You've got Phillips and yeah. and Sami Anton on the other side. Yeah, I, hopefully he has. I mean, his his scoring record for a couple of seasons at different clubs suggests he knows where the net is. You know, that's 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 a proven record. Okay, we can talk about levels he scored at or whatever, but he's still put the ball in the back of the net. I mean, obviously, Phillips you know, played the role on, on Saturday and he's a he's a winger. So, you know, you, you understand him not having that instinct to be right there. Brandon Thomas-Asante previously, obviously the club's only recognised striker sort of available. Um, he, he's not, I think we all, you know, I think there are many fans of him, but I think we all sort of acknowledge that he's not uh, so far shown that natural, maybe striker's instinct to get in there and that, natural killer touch in terms of finishes he's he's excellent when it's sort of on a whim when he doesn't have time to think about what he's doing but yeah to hopefully Madger's looking so far you know seeing what what he's watching of Alvin what he what he'll have been shown by Carlos Corbin what the head coach would have told him and and you know being like yeah, get in the penalty box get yourself in the six yard box and look at what we can can provide um however what what I've heard of Madger as well, the bit of research and reading I've been doing, is that he, by all accounts, does also like to link to drop deep. And I think we saw, all right, the context of Saturday, Alvin had no sort of... The attacking impetus had gone towards the end, wasn't hadn't it? And when the ball was knocked up towards here or Sarmiento, it was about buying your side some time, holding off challenges, winning fouls. And, and he did that well, didn't he? And so did Sarmiento. So I think we saw evidence that this is a striker who's comfortable of 
of dropping deeper as well and looking after the ball and bringing other attackers into the play. So I hope he can do a bit of both because, you know, Thomas Asante is pretty, for my money, pretty good at that that side of the game. Um, I know Corbin's talked about Madjo being that good at that side of the game as well. I just hope that the scoring record he's got shows, you know, he's got those instincts, as you touched on, Johnny, just to be a, a penalty box striker, you know, a goal scorer. Um, because it, it should be there for him, shouldn't it? I, clear-cut chances were few and far between on Saturday, but you're right about the crosses. And we've spoke to Blue in the face, haven't we, about Wallace's deliveries. They're not all, always all on the money, far from it, but a lot of them are and they're not converted and that's that's not Wallace's fault, is it? That's still a that's still a good ball. You just you need to take advantage of it if you're a teammate. And that'll that'll be the task. And that'll be the task for Corbran as well, getting Madger in there, getting fellow attackers, be it the opposite winger to be there to, to finish Wallace's cross or vice versa. Um, you know, Swift even or whoever's playing as an attacking midfielder, Malumbi, so yeah. Um we can but hope Madger will make a big impact. He he needs to, doesn't he, now with Thomas Asante injured. Um I mean, come to Leeds, we'll talk about towards the end, won't we? But who starts in that striker role that Ellen Road is sort of anyone's guess. Um, whether it has to be Phillips again or whether BTA uh can shrug off that ankle injury is is a concern. Or indeed whether Madger's ready to start, but I'd imagine not on that latter point. I'll just while we're on it, I want to talk Wallace, because it seems at Albion there always has to be a, a scapegoat at times. Um, and at times it's quite right. You know, we've had them over the year, you know, Carl and Grant, Callum Robinson have probably been a couple in the last couple of years, Carl Bartley for a, for a point. And, and quite rightly so, the, the, their performances haven't been great at times. But what we've seen sort of creeping in, I can't really understand this at all. Over the last sort of couple of weeks, um, is that Jed Wallace for some people is becoming that that scapegoat. Now I've seen some comments and you know everyone's entitled to their opinion, you know. Um but I saw a tweet the other day saying Jed Wallace and John Swift are awful footballers. Which I just thought was madness. And I get we, we talk about it all the time, you know, Twitter's a cesspit and et cetera, et cetera. But there's been a growing number of people who have sort of been going at Wallace and saying, oh he gets away with it because he works hard and you know passion and all this. But Probably count on one hand the amount of times that Jed Wallace has had a bad game in an Albion shirt so far. Um, it's 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 madness, really. I thought he was okay on Saturday. He's probably six out of ten, but yeah, I, I don't get what it is. I've that's what I just find it really baffling that people have started to go after him of all people. I think um, as a more general point on this, aside from Wallace, um, the situation of the club maybe off and on the pitch in terms of being the lowest for a while, you know, not, not competing right at the top for those automatic places. Uh, the, you know, certainly off, off the field speaks for itself, doesn't it underlie um, the, the mood and enthusiasm for anything really. Um, you know, players including at times the manager including um, it's, it's just low, isn't it? And uh, I understand that totally. Um, and and support you know some supporters every sport is different and everyone's entitled to their obviously their opinion and views you know people agree or disagree but everyone's still entitled to them and uh, so because it's at that sort of low level I can I can sort of see why any, anyone's a target really um, you know, on the playing side of it after a bad game or two or uh, Wallace tailed off towards the end of last season didn't he after a, a very very good start and 
I, I, I sort of, I don't agree with it, but I, it doesn't surprise me massively. I, I just think um, supporters are frustrated and disappointed and want to want to get behind something on the field that's going to inject some optimism, you know, or uh, 60, 65 minutes. I feel like we had that the other day. Um, I don't think that's a bad Swansea side. Um, new Swansea side, yes, new manager and stuff, but still think they'll be at the right side of mid-table, I would say, Swansea. Uh, I might be wrong there. Remains to be seen, but Albion comfortable, weren't they? Comfortably the, the stronger side and, and, and you're thinking... Don't mind this, you know. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's a strange one for me. I, I don't think we should take Wallace's qualities for granted. Um, you know as well as I do, Johnny, and people listening, there are wingers out there who frustrate a hell of a lot more than him, you know, and not provide the effort or work rate and then not be able to provide the quality at the end of it. And like I touched on earlier, um, that's not Jed Wallace's fault a lot of the time that no one is able to convert some of his deliveries. Now, there was no striker playing on Saturday to convert it, was it? Now, some fans might say, well, Wallace has got to be smarter and pull it back to the edge of the box where the, where the players are deeper or whatever. And maybe there's a point to be made there, but I just, I just think it goes back to look, the morale of the fan base is so low that any, anyone you know, on or off the pitch is a, is a, you know, can be a target, can't they? And I think it's to a point we have to respect that of, of the supporters um, because it's a difficult time for, for, the, you know, for the club and its fans. Yeah, yeah. Just on that point as well, we mentioned John Swift's name there. You know, I wax lyrical about his his play for the, the penalty on on Saturday. Um, I think he gets he gets. We've had a couple of questions about Swift today as well, but he gets stick. I think at times maybe justified, but I think it's because fans are so frustrated. You know, he is a good, he's a good player. He's he's a quality player. On his day, he can change a game for Albion. We haven't seen that too many times, um, if at all, really, in an Albion shirt. Um, I think that's the frustration with him, you know, moving away. The, the, the criticism of Swift is different to Wallace. The Wallace stuff, I think, is wider than Mark, personally. But the Swift stuff, I think it comes from a place born out of pr- frustration, Coxie, I think, more than anything. The yeah. Swift, Swift said, um, again, we talk about Wallace's um, game and, like, his hard running and his work rate and passion and all that. He, he's a player completely at the other end of the spectrum, style-wise, to Swift, isn't he? Swift's yeah, slower mover, um, more, I suppose, thoughtful on the ball in terms of 100 miles an hour like Wallace's. Um, and that's just his style. That's It's hard, isn't it? Because we can't just we can't just turn around and say, or can we? I don't know. It's a debate. I don't know what the head coach would think or turn around and say, well, Swift doesn't work as hard as Wallace because it looks like Wallace is running 100 miles an hour all the time. Swift obviously gets around the pitch just on a, a slower rate of knots, you would say. Um, and when he's on the ball, he's less inclined to be that purposeful drive. Um, but I, I agree with the wider point, Johnny, that we, 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 I think we've said it before, we'd like to and we need to see more from him in terms of the create, say the creativity and the splitting teams open and that the, the thing that his game is built on. Um, I think, again, going back to his style, it can frustrate some, can't it? I sort of sense it in the crowd and, and online as well that sometimes sometimes when Albion are on a tempo and on a break, it can find its way to Swift. Um, and the play slows down, doesn't it? Just because that's the way he plays. And uh, and that can 
frustrate some and it takes quite a few touches at times, doesn't he? And that's not, I'm not saying that's a total criticism. That's, that's his game and he's, his asset is his technique and his touch. That's that's what he's good at. But um, I see why it can be frustrating to watch for fans because sometimes you want your team to be full-blooded going at it. Don't you? 100 mile an hour, everyone bursting forward. But yeah, it generally need to see more from him. I remember we interviewed him towards the end of last season, actually, and, and he went along with that. You know, he knows, yeah, acknowledged he'd not been at his level anywhere near enough and needs to bring more. What I would say, again, this is a bit of a difficulty when doing the player ratings the other day. Um, Obviously, he scored the penalty, which is, you know, they all count. It's a penalty, but they all count. He also headed down for the first goal. Yeah. Which Townsend headed on and put the corner in for Furlong's effort for the OG. So he scored and been involved in the other two. So, yeah, while general play maybe lacked and that, that tempo and intensity, he scored and not quite two assists, but, you know, scored and helped set up two goals. So, I don't think, you know, on the back of this game, we can fully, you know, criticise or bash, you know, he's yeah. to do his I think a perfect there. example of what of what fans get frustrated is, is I think Albion, Albion won the ball up high in, the, in yeah. the first half and they were driving forward. And I think he had a, a really good option to his left and an option to his right as well. And I think Swift is one of them players that I think people probably label, label him sometimes as lazy. Um, he's quite slow on the ball, you know, not into... Uh, that sounds like a criticism. No, it's know, this guy's a professional footballer yeah. playing in the second tier of English football. Who am I to tell him how to play? But he just looks sort of he it ta- looks like he takes a long time to make a decision. That yeah. one on Saturday was a frustrating one because he took so long and the pass was misplaced and it went out of play. And I think that's where fans tend to the frustration tends to come from. Yeah, I was saying that like his, his assets and qualities, his touch and technique. So if you're going to be a bit slower on the ball, take more touches. Uh, fine, that's that's your game, but. When it comes to the decision making, the final ball, make it, make it a top one, make it you know quality. And when when it's slowed down and then the pass goes behind someone or out of play, that's when it's it's not good enough, is it? Because you you know you sort of slowing it down, but then not delivering anything. Um, so I get that and I I, I agree with that. Um, but if 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 his general play slows things down and then he finds a moment of of quality, then we're all you know we're all sound with that, aren't we? We're all on board with that. Um, and, uh, you know, like I say, against Swansea, he did help Albion win the game, didn't he, when you look at the, the goals. So, um, I agree with everything said here, really. I, I understand the, the frustration towards him. Like, I agree with you more so than the Wallace situation. However, you know, is it fair to contrast them and say different levels of effort because one appears to run hard and yeah that's what that's my point uh, people used to label Romain Sawyers as as lazy yeah but it was generally his it was the way he played it was the way he that's the way he got around the field and and Swift is a a number 10 in your archetypal attacking midfielder sometimes they fairly or unfairly come with this tag of being a luxury player don't they come with this tag of being a a luxury player that yeah if, if they're in the game they're creating for you but if they're if they're not in the game, if they're not on the ball, these you know luxury players are, are a luxury and they're not bringing you much else. And I don't think that's an entirely fair tag. Um, everyone can have quiet games and be in yeah. that. Aren't we? I just it's it's an interesting point on the style of a player, isn't it? And Swift's very much of that ilk. I think I'd, I'd go along with what I just said, really, in terms of okay, if your style's to be slower and, and slow moves down, fine. But 
you know then then you have to sort of deliver with something telling or something creative and and not slow things down and, and like lose the ball or send it out of play when that that's your game you know the best part of Swift's game should be picking that pass um, or you know that decision making with the ball so yeah hopefully we you know, we can see that improve as, as the weeks go yeah defensively now it was shaky it was rocky it was well it was all right for 75 minutes but I was going to say you're, you're talking about the last 15 after that it was uh, it was a bit hair and scare for the first 75 minutes it looked as though the experiments that Carlos has been doing in pre-season you know it's, it looks now given the first two league selections is that Ajay and Kipper here is there is one and two um, and for the large parts they did okay yeah, yeah. I mean, I look for for seventy minutes. I was, you know, I, I would go more than enthused. Okay, Johnny, I was enthused by how the back three did. Um, thought it was interesting that it was a back three. We saw it in the League Cup at Stoke. We've seen it in some friendlies, didn't we? Um, Eric Peters is an important factor in this because he had a broken preseason. Remember, he missed some games, didn't he? Personal matters, and it sort of um, hit at his preparation yeah. in terms of fitness and stuff. So I think that was behind. I would say him not starting at Blackburn, to be honest. And obviously, he got 90 minutes at Stoke. And I just thought, I'm, I just think possibly a bit undervalued, Peters. People might look at him being 35 and knock it, but, but there are a lot of good defenders playing in the top flight older than him. And I just think on the left of a back three, uh, he, he did he did well in a back two last season, didn't he? But I think in the left of a back three, can be very good. And if his shortcomings is the pace and the movement, then he's got two next to him. You know, to his right, who should be able to make up for that realistically, and I, and I think Peters is that sort of calming influence in terms of being good on the ball, in terms of experience, that does a lot for a Jay and Kipra next to him. So no, some might say it didn't in the final twenty minutes, but I think we saw example in the first seventy of um, a composed and, and calm backline, um, and we need to see more of that. Like, it, it, it was not an ideal finale, but. Let's qualify that by saying it was especially through being guilty of set piece woes, uh, you know, general play. And, and what came with that is giving stupid, unnecessary set pieces away, weren't they? Kipra's pass back to Palmer was one. Of course, we had the chas- the, the, the absolute classic Chalibur hoofing it behind when, when you know, he could have put it into it. get chased down the Birmingham Road. Poor could have put it into any Rosette, couldn't he? <laughs> that was a throw in. Um, that was baffling and alarming at the same measure. But, um, the, the, the Kipra one to Palmer, which was unnecessary, I believe was at 3-1 and led to the 3-2 goal. So unnecessary and you know, time when Albion was shaky from those and, and cost them. Although I will say Harry Darling uh, of Swansea, I think he's ex-Cambridge, I think, seeing him play lower down. Only a young lad, but looked a giant and came across like a giant in Albion's box, didn't he? And now I know it's something to do with him attacking the ball or Albion's deficiencies marking. You know, we'll have to see what how that trend develops in terms of Albion defending set pieces. But he was dominant, wasn't he? That first header was very good, albeit unmarked. But the second was a, a shocker, wasn't it, really? Um, from everyone back there defending in that six-yard box from the keeper. Probably needs to be more dominant there, I would say, Johnny Palmer. Yeah, he looked, very, he looked very rooted to his line, didn't he? And, and again, yeah. like I said with Swift, you know, I'm not a goalkeeper. Um, but yeah. it just looked like he's, he's a very commanded figure, Palmer. I just thought he would have come out for a couple of them. Mm. Well, there was one before it, wasn't it, where it, he atoned with a save in the end, but you know where he, Ajay and Kipra were hesitant. I think it was already back to 3-1 by that point, I think, or maybe even 2-3-0. Uh, no. 
uh, Albion got away with it. But that was almost like a comedy one, that, wasn't it? Where they were leaving it to each other, the three of them. Uh, one of them just needs to take take control. I mean, ideally, you want it to be a keeper, don't you? Come and grab it or come and hoof it forward rather than the defenders worrying whether the keeper's going to come. But, uh, yeah, for the second Swansea goal, certainly, I think the keeper and some of the defenders must do better. But general... General player of the back three, I, I was encouraged by to the point where I'm thinking, well, we'll have to see this back three again. You know, next time it's it's worked so well. I think we've been critical of Ajay, haven't we, in recent weeks and months. I think that's the best we've seen him since his long-term injury. Um, not not just the goal, all-round defending was was excellent. You know, much of the Hawthorns were chanting his name, and it looked like him at his best, to be honest. And hopefully. He's a confidence player. We said that, didn't we? And hopefully that him performing like that, we can see Corbram with an arm around him and, and continue for him to flourish. And and on Kipra, just to co- cover all three, um, I thought it was a good response from Blackburn. Uh, I think he was always going to play a game in terms of the league after what Carlos Corbran said on the Friday. He said, um, you know, I'd, I'd sort of pulled him, pulled him for a chat and, and was like, you know, is that error going to affect the way I want you to play? The way you do, and and obviously, you know, as a professional, I'm sure Kipfer said, you know, no, that's what the head coach wants. So I think we're always going to see him back involved, and I, but we we saw more parts of that defending he wants to bring in terms of on the ball and taking risks. But that's I think that's what the manager wants, now, not to be stupid, but to be confident in terms of being brave and taking risks. And I can't think of too many, th- you know, if if many things Kipfer did particularly wrong in that game you know I mentioned that back pass for the corner which it was just over hit wasn't it the back pass wasn't the wrong shout give it back to Palmer but it was just unnecessary it was on our side of the ground wasn't it Johnny just unnecessarily heavy yeah twice as hard as it needed to be maybe he got his you know he sort of didn't know quite know where he was out on a touchline but um yeah just iron out those little things but I thought, I thought it was much improved and, and responded, showed a bit of character to respond because you know, to do what he did on the opening day is difficult, can, can be difficult to come back from. Um, so, yeah, we'll get on to... I, Corbran spoke after about the formations and that being a back three and actually spoke how he was kind of forced into it, really, with the Thomas Asante injury situation, meaning one of your wings and Phillips has to go up front. But he, he spoke about being fluid in formations. I'm going to do a bit on that on that this week, actually, and um, list you know reeled off a number of formations, all of which I think we'll see out in the season, which is interesting in itself, isn't it? Because for six, seven, whatever it was, months of of his stewardship last season, having come in, it was pretty rigidly one formation, wasn't it? Four, two, three, one. Now, from what he suggested, what we've seen so far, and what he suggested after Saturday, it's going to be a lot more flexible than that. And I think the suggestion of, yeah, I think the the addition of Major along alongside Thomas Sante, as we said before, is going to change that in terms of getting two up top. Um, then we're going to see a fluid Albion formation system-wise, which which is interesting. That I suppose keeps us, but more importantly, keeps opposition second guessing, doesn't it? Which could be a strength, could be a weakness. I suppose we'll have to wait and see. But I, I think we can we can take. Confidence and, and the back three and the formation, the defence can take credit from from Saturday and uh, glass half full maybe. Let's try and focus on where it went well and, and try and negate and fix the, the set-piece element of it. Because I think for the most part, for three quarters, I mean, it worked very well. Again, yeah. Against two strikers we'll add, Johnny. You know, Jerry Yates, you know, Piro, um, a great Swansea midfield. You know, uh, Albion negated it, didn't they, for the most part from open play. 
Yeah. No, it's, it's you know, apart, I think apart from Piro hitting the hitting the bar. Um, yeah, there wasn't yeah, a, the bar, Johnny. Sorry, yeah, yeah, it's hit the bar. Sorry, there wasn't um, wasn't a great deal, was there? Just find out the game before we move on to other stuff. Um, just Chalaba got booed coming on the field, which I thought was a bit not great. Obviously, Chalaba, you know, reportedly made a gesture towards Albion fans at Stoke after being given a bit of stick. Took to social media late last week to apologise, which I thought was was a good move from him. Um, Corbran spoke about it. Saying that you know you can't do things like that, you know he owned up to it and put his hand up. But a large section of the Hawthorns booed him on on Saturday, which I thought was pretty poor, to be honest. Um, just draw a line under it now and move on. Yeah, yeah, I, it's a funny um, grey area, isn't it? Booing own players. I think any, any club, any any fans. Um, listen, it it happens after after mistakes, errors, sort of when when supporters perceive. Players look like they're they're not pulling their weight or being interested. Obviously, last week at Stoke was a, a specific example, wasn't it? I um, heard from a few fans, some I know personally, that were down there and claimed to have seen Chalibur's gesture. Obviously, you know, Corbran um, spoke to the midfielder about that, who then sort of accepted and, and fronted up, didn't he, and made an apology on on social media, which I know some some might be flippant about. You know, words are cheap and all that, but I think mean, it takes a bit to come and apologise, doesn't it, to a whole online fan base who are ready to to come for you um and he openly admitted he hasn't you know within that apology he hasn't shown anywhere near enough as he since january which is you know, which is all true and and corbran in his presser on friday said you know actually said he, he was proud of how chalaba handled it in terms of you know coming forward with that apology so yeah i think at that point you probably can draw a line under it but there was clearly a mood within the hawthorns with what, maybe half the home fans maybe that's too high maybe less who felt the need to sort of boo him as he came on. I, I just, look, he's coming on the pitch trying to win, help his team win the game, isn't he? He's not coming on the pitch trying to do badly or not put it in. Uh, quality on the ball, we can talk about that all day, can't he? No, it should, should be better, wasn't good enough. Um, we've already made comment about the one that was mysteriously booted behind for a corner when Albion weren't doing well with corners. Yeah, I, I take all of that, don't get me wrong. But... You know, Carlos Corbran's looked at it on whatever it was, 68 minutes and four. I need to turn to him here. Obviously, he's took Okayu Kushlu off, which I think had a bearing on the game, actually. I think at, at times, in some positions, Albion look a different team without Okai in it. And just a quick word on that. I, I can only see that Corbran's thought Albion are 3-0 up here at home, you know, three quarters into the game. And I think I can get 20 minutes work out of Kushlu's legs and, and rest him. Yeah. Perhaps in hindsight, he wouldn't have did, you know, done that. Perhaps in hindsight, that was a mistake. Could have took Malumbi off instead. But, you know, you'd like to think with 20 to go at home, or even 15 to go when the first Swans goal went in, you, you're, you're safe to be able to take, you know, you perceive your best player to be off. You, you should be, really, shouldn't you? And and the player you've been on, you know, an ex-Premier League international player should be able to have a comfortable enough impact. But, yeah, is coming on trying to help Albin win the game. I, I, I don't, I'm not so sure it helps anyone booing him but yeah you know, who, who are we to yeah say say to the fans what they should or shouldn't do when they're spending their money and they have their own opinions like you know um so i don't want to do that I, I just don't think it particularly helps the situation and yeah drawing a line is is what i you know my stance and what i agree with you on yeah no i totally agree with what with what you've said there right on some other matters just a few um a few points before we talk 
off-field issues. Um, Albion lost former winger Alec Jackson last week. Um, played in the in the 50s and the 60s for Albion. I think he had 10 years at the club. Went to Walsall and Birmingham after that and played for a, a host of non-league clubs around the West Midlands. I think he was from the Tipton area, I believe. Some kind words on social media from Albion fans who sort of remembered him and knew him uh, last week. And a lovely uh, minute's applause before the game. So thoughts with his family uh, at the moment um, following his sad passing. And do you know what? I just wanted to give a shout out to, to Albion, to the club. Um, you know, they get stick with off-field stuff at times, um, sometimes quite justly, sometimes unjustly. But I thought the whole uh, Jeff Astle kit stuff with Jeff Astle's family in the last few weeks has been just phenomenal. When Albion get it right as a football club, they get it right. Um, and... I think uh, the Astle family were down at the training ground, I think, on Thursday or Friday. Um, and then we had all the stuff on Saturday. You know, the, the, that superb, heartwarming video um, for the kit launch that was shown on the big screen is fanta- was fantastic. So I just hats off to the club that got that right. It's a real good, um, just just shows what, what a football club Albion can be, really. Um, right, Cox, I'm going to throw to yourself now. There's been a lot of social media angst, rumour, um, you know, everyone's worried anyway about the off-field situation, but a few things seem to have arisen from certain directions over the last few days. Um, I'm going to start with, we talked warm front holdings in the intro, but I'm going to start with 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 one topic, which is administration, which we've had a few um, comments on. We spoke about this back in the summer, that it wasn't an imminent threat. Um, from somewhere it's come that administration is sort of not closing in but it's closer than some people may think you've been grabbing clarity on the situation you spent your day yesterday that's why we didn't record the podcast yesterday you spent the day digging and getting information on this from your sources what can you say about that are Albion an imminent threat of administration no no I mean the good news on that if you can call it well I suppose you can call it good news is from from what I understand from what we're told um that, that there's no developments there now I I know so from Saturday, I think at the Hawthorns, um, yeah, word seemed to spread and rumours had gone into overdrive. And I don't know if that's people, you know, obviously sharing things at the game or whatnot. And obviously it built online over the weekend. But from what what we're told here, um, there's no no developments there. I think the club, the club's stance on the situation, they've they've been clear on that. I feel like we've in in the media been clear on that about looking after the finances, trying to do everything to balance the books. It's why they are where they are in the market, what they're trying to do in the market, what they continue to try and do in the market. Players trying to move players on, which they're still trying to do. And as far as I understand it, I mean, we're on the 15th of August now, but by the end of this window, there is still going to be change. Significant outs is the the aim, as well as ins, of course. But, you know, this it's a necessary evil, if you if you can call it that. It's a necessary to to balance the books and, and get the club away from those threats and fears. So, yeah, the way the way I had it described to me is that's that's not a not a concern, um, not imminent or look for further down the line, who, who I suppose who knows um, the situation if Albion don't get promoted this season, which you would say is quite likely. I mean, we're all glass half full here, aren't we, Johnny? But um, you know, it's it's a big ask, isn't it, to finish top two and win, or win the playoffs? Um, not promoted or haven't had a, a full takeover or a majority takeover and, and investment by someone with clout, with backing. Uh, if, if neither of those things happen and we get to next summer, look, 
you would expect, and again, this is something we'll need to clarify further down the line. You'd expect that that situation to be quite quite grave and quite difficult because because clearly um, the club are desperate. You know, clearly lies desperate for um, to sell the club for what he can for the best offer, and uh, the club are obviously desperate for for someone to come in and you know someone with with that backing, with that clout, with that finances to be able to look after the club and you know, start making it look up and be able to do things on the pitch as well as look after things off it. So obviously promotion were it to happen, which is a long shot, but you know, you can never say never. Um would go some way to 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 make a difference with top flight monies, broadcast monies and all of that. But obviously it wouldn't have the the it wouldn't have the real sort of long-lasting positive effects of obviously new new ownership and and finances. So no, the, the I suppose the good news on that is I've not had any uh, intel. I've been sort of assured by sources that that a word that horror word of administration is not loomed anymore. Um, I think people just maybe where the rumour started tend to read into the fact of I've been having to sell players, you know. What does that mean? And there's still no sign of a takeover as we speak. So what does that mean? And not going to win promotion. So what does that mean? A bit of a doomsday thing. But um, regards to takeover front, I, I would say that just because nothing's out in the public, you know, spectrum doesn't doesn't mean that things aren't happening and there isn't interest and there aren't talks. So you know, uh, as takeovers go, a lot of them things stay under. We've said before, haven't we, Johnny? Things stay under wraps. Um, yeah. Until you know, a big big reveal or whatever is is very very close. So um, no, as I say, um, administration. No, I'm I'm told that's that's nothing. That's a concern at the moment to the club. We'll talk on the other front now, which is the the warm front holding stuff. Now, just as a bit of a bit of background, we talk about these loans that that Gauch and I is taking out of the club. This one is is different in that he took took a two million pound loan. From a warm front holding a company called Warm Front Holdings. Um, this was back in 2021. Yeah. Um, yeah. so he so he took a two million pound loan out of his company against a share in 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 Albion, essentially. In so in yeah, in WA Holdings, which is the company that owns Albion. Yeah. So or has an 88% stake in Albion. So what we reported at the time was that if this loan wasn't repaid, this company, Warmfront Holdings, would then have a minor, a two point, I think it's 2.35%, is it, Coxie? 2.35, that's right. 2.35%. Just just quickly, that's, from what we understand, that's stuck and fixed. So, um, sorry, mate, to, to put in, I know there's been a lot of talk, hasn't there, about um, with Warmfront Holdings, 2 million loan, this, this 5% fixed monthly interest rate, which is obviously, and that's, that's come into play since June 22 last year, 14 months ago so now obviously that two million is built up to over three million now and and yeah i'm sure you're going to get on about a, a february deadline written into the accounts that brings it up to four million rather the the 2.35 um share it, it's secured against is fixed so you know, don't expect that to, to go up and uh, carry on sorry mate i, I know you were talking no about- i was just about to throw it to yourself in terms of what you know we've seen a lot of hysteria on social media and a lot of concern Again, not under, not hundred percent where this has sort of come from, but has anything changed in this? Is there anything more to be alarmed about? Obviously, it's not great that 
a company no. could take a small percent of the, the club because of a defaulted loan. But it, is anything changed? Do we know anything different? Well, again, what, what I'm told there is that nothing has. Um, all we have ever been told on that, and, and I think it was reported at the time when it first emerged, Johnny, is that it's it's not it's not related to Albion. That's that's how I keep having it described to me as the bottom line. Albion aren't the borrower of this money. They're not the lender of this money. It's the owner. Um, and WBA Holdings um, is not related to Albion. It's just unfortunate in terms of the naming, really, in terms of that connection. Obviously, now it has a significant interest in 88% of group, doesn't it? And uh, but this is a borrow made by the owner. So until accounts come, you know, people at club level, you know, aren't privy to that that repayment. You know, that's between Lion and Warmfront Holdings. I don't know, a, a Briley Hill based energy company um, ran, as far as their website shows, by a, by a local businessman, Alex Hearn, isn't it? Um, he, he's the owner there now. Uh, has anything changed? I'm told no. Now, what what seems to have come to light, and it's not necessarily come to light because it was it was in the accounts from I think accounts for April were they released this year? I think Johnny the latest accounts um, dated till June 2022. Um, so the most recent accounts, uh, and within it there's um, there's talk of a February the eighth 2024 um, date as a, as, a, as a deadline as to when Warmfronts. Yeah, it's been agreed that Warmfronts can come to reclaim you know money or monies or or whatever on that on that loan and that's a deadline obviously that's that's previously been missed i, I believe um now you know what can we say about lion repayment loan deadlines you know they're they're um the history you know we talk about um uh, the, the history of, of other loans obviously it's sketchy at best isn't it um for the five million loan that obviously was was never repaid to Albion and impaired to a value of nil, wasn't it? Um, so there's a February deadline on this on this warm front loan f- for next year. Now, if and when that is defaulted, you know, it might be, who are we to say for definite? It will be, it, it might be, it might not be, if, if the loan isn't repaid by then. Um, as it has always been reported and as it has always been said, because it's not related to Albion, it's related to, you know, secured against shares, what would happen is, Warm front, you know, could would take on that 2.35, as I say, fixed share rate, um, thus becoming minority shareholders. Um, now, as you said at the top of this com- this subject, Johnny, I, I, it's, that's not great, and I don't I don't think it's brilliant, is it, that a minority shareholder comes on board just as a result of lending the owner money? You know, not not a football body per se, but just comes on on board as, as a minority shareholder as a result of that. But the way I had it described to me is that it's not, you know, it's not a thought or concern of the club, really. As a, I appreciate that, look, I appreciate as a result is that someone comes on board as a minority shareholder, but the club still see it as not a, you know, not, not a pressing concern. Now, I know that, you know, another party company as a minority shareholder there are obviously fears, maybe understand understandable fears down the line that they, that muddies the water in terms of a sale or a takeover or investment or whatever because there's another party involved. But I can only go back to what, as I say, sources have put it to me that um, that's not something that's had any new developments in terms of that. That I say February next year repayment 
date sort of came to light over the over the weekend, if you were, when when warm front talk sort of gathered pace. But that's been there and um, and was reported back when the accounts came out at the time, that February deadline. Um, and yeah, there's no further development on the warm front holdings loan. And, and, and as I say, people, high high end people at the club may not even be privy to you know that that loan being repaid. Uh, obviously, when it gets to February, you know you'd like to think they would, but it's not it's not a pressing matter or concern. That's what we're told. Now, look, I appreciate people listen to this and and think, well, if you know Alex Hearn and his warm front holdings, you know, board or company come on board as a minority shareholder, though that's not good for Albion. Of course, it is. I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying it's irrelevant either. I think it. You know, I'm not a football ownership takeover expert yeah i don't know if yeah 2.35 minority shareholder johnny how much that would weight that would carry or influence that would have when it came to future talks with prospective owners um i suppose we'll have to see on that i don't think it's a it's a great thing and it's not ideal that someone as i say again comes on board as a minority shareholder just on the back of owner being unable to repay repay loan but as i can say in terms of the development that's that's where it is that february um Deadline I was told came on board in the accounts as it was just uh, it was requested from Azit, who are Albin's auditors, when the accounts were being drafted and signed off, and it, and and that was done in February this year. So that's twelve months down the line, and that's that's an admin thing. Um, that's that's how I had it put to me. Um, I suppose when it gets to that date, we'll see how it transpires. Regards um, loan be repaid or defaulted, but as we stand here and now, no no development, and that's I think just one that's gathered pace via, you know rumours and talkings, you know, being personal online or whatever. But yeah, that's that's what I was told after asking the question several times yesterday. There we go. Hopefully that provides a little bit of clarity, Alvin fans, in the sort of mist of, of social media over the weekend. Right, time for an advert. As always, the Baggies broadcast and all our podcasts here at the Express and Star are sponsored by The Kettle and Toaster Man in Briley Hill, the place to go for your graded products. They are graded product specialists down there with a host of massive names on offer in their huge warehouses. Today we're going to Coxie, today we're going to talk about cordless vacuums. Now you strike me as a bloke who doesn't do the hoovering. <laughs> Uh, it's one of my few jobs, actually, Johnny. Is it really? Yeah, 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 yeah. You asked my wife, she'll tell you. Yeah. Oh, sure. I wouldn't mind you... a cordless one, actually, because we're, we're cord, you know, wired vacuums are one of several things that do wind me up. So I've got a if you can get me sorted, well. mate. I've got a corded one, mate, and they are, well, the one I bought was from Asda, and it's horrendous. It's horrendous. Yeah. We, we recently had a car one, actually, you know, a car-specific little one. That's nice. Cordless. nice. It's, it's as bad as your Asda one, mate. Very, very poor. Um, yeah. Well, no power, no suction, you know. No, mine as well, mine as well. But if I'd have gone to the kettle and toaster man, I wouldn't be complaining at all. You can go down there. They have got a massive array. They've got great brands: Tower, Beldre. You can get a Beldre Air Agility Pet Plus. Now I can do this. Pet Plus Premium, <laughs> seventy-five quid. The amount of ginger dog air and cat air in my house is horrendous. I could do with this, so I might be giving old Wayne down at kettle and toaster man. I might be giving him a call, Wayne. Get one of them Beldres out. I'm going to need one. Um, I'll, pers- I'll put two, two. There you go, two sold already. I'm going to uh, persevere with me, me, me rubbish as the one. But uh, but we'll, uh, yeah. If that keeps struggling, we'll have to give the cat and toaster man a call. And if you want to get hold of one of them cordless vacuums or anything else for that matter, they've got a host of um, items down there. Do you know what, Coxie? They even had 
when I went down. He had a fridge with fo- a football badge on the front of it. This was a Celtic fridge. Um, there weren't any Albion ones. I have to say Wayne is a Wolves fan. Um, but he's got some cracking things down there. They even sell uh, games consoles as well. Um, but they've got everything down there. Bro- um, Thorns Road and Briley Hill, if you want to go down to the store and have a look what they've got. And then the store's is big as well. Uh, not quite as big as the warehouse, but the store's got plenty of stuff in there. Or head along to catlandtoasterman.co.uk. Right. Two, two mentions of Riley Hill on this podcast, Johnny. It's like I the know, uh, yeah. Baggies Broadcast yeah. Club. It is at the moment, isn't it? Right, questions. Now, the questions have been trimmed down. We've got about 10 minutes or so before we finish recording today's podcast. Um, I'm actually off this morning. I'm going to a game tonight. Coxie's got a midweek game off. I'm up at... Uh, I'm up at Wrexham tonight. The, the the closest trip of my season tonight. 20 minutes, door to door. Yeah, homeland watching the Hollywood Reds, aren't you? Oh, door to door, mate. I'm hoping to be home by 11 o'clock, which is unheard of in this job. For a Could get game. a quick through in with your neighbour, uh, Mr Reynolds, couldn't you? Could do, mate. Could do. I'll give him a shout. See if he's, uh, see if he's knocking around. Um, but anyway, so we've got, we've got about 10 minutes left of today's recording. Um, and a lot of the questions were financial related and related to one front and sort of the administration fear. So that knocks off quite a few of them. Um, so I'm going to start with uh, Richard Diamond, who's got in touch with a question. If you had a chance to, for, of an exclusive interview with Gouch and Lie, what would your first question be? <laughs> I saw this briefly yesterday, but I was so up to my eyes in several things. Um, I didn't give it the time it deserves. But I, I think... Um, I suppose now in the context of the here and now, you know, what's the end goal? What's the end play? Yeah. What? Or, or, or in, you know, if, we, if we're going on over the course of seven years or whatever, why Albion? Question mark. Or, um, you know, something along those lines. But, you know, where, when and who and what are your plans to, you know, free the club? Yeah. <laughs> other club onto the rightful people i think it's got to be something along those lines hasn't it the first question yeah have you thought of one johnny i don't know really just there could be a few do you think you've been ripped off overpaying for the club um well i'd imagine he does yeah yeah um yeah a few really i I, what why have you you know what why have you neglected to yeah 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 probably that why haven't you invested and stuff like that probably but yeah, whether we will ever get that exclusive interview, Richard, I very much doubt it. Um, the last player, right? Any chance we could bring back Hal Robson Carney? Um, probably not. No, he's too busy flogging turmeric. He's doing he's doing better in that. Uh, that's uh, in the business world. Um, WBA Albion, they've asked about the financial situation, but they've also said also the improvements at the training ground. Where is this money coming from? Now, Coxie, I believe this money was earmarked in the £20 million MSD loan. Um, Ron Gawley's explained that, I believe, in the past. So that money was earmarked. Um, this has come out. Albion have got a plan of mission. I think last week it was confirming mission to to improve the training ground. But I believe yeah. that money was earmarked anyway. Yeah, and I think the application for for this went in a little a little while back. Obviously, with local council and stuff, there's a lot of red tape and meet you know several hundred you know if not thousand meetings to to get through regards to things like this. But yeah, it's a new gym and physio centre, is it? I I believe. I know. I think it was reported that plans were sort of um refreshed weren't they when they 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 agreed on a different vision for it or or something along those lines but that's not something that's in the immediate i know as you say it was confirmed last week uh the plan commission but it's not something in the immediate pipeline that um did did ask about that and that's not 
you know, if the situation tr changes drastically and a big backer came in and took over the club and made some funds available, then yes, got the you know the club would go down the line of, you know, contractors and stuff like that. But it's not it's not an immediate concern in terms of the here and now and, and starting you know spade in the ground, you know, works on it. But yeah, good good news to have it have it put through and yeah. I mean, safe funds there to improve the club. That that was how the twenty million um, loan was explained to us, as you say, by the previous chief exec. And um, but like I say, these plans have been drawn up for for a while. Um, how how great they you know difference it will make to the training ground as a whole will be interesting to see. I look forward to seeing how that develops. Um, but the work of which uh, I expect to be on the back burner and not not get underway for some time. Yeah. Adam H, uh, realistic number of additions this month. Where do you think we need strengthening? We've had two or three questions like this um, and we continue to have questions like this. Realistic number of additions, Coxie, would you say, would you say um, one or two? Re realistic number, yeah. I, I, I'd like to see at least, I'd like to see at least two. I'd be concerned with under that. Um, maybe any more than that's being greedy in the current climate. Um. Right, next question. And and where I, I mean, where position wise, Johnny? Yeah, sorry, position wise. I yeah, think, yeah. I, think, I think we said in the previous pod or two, didn't we? You know, I'd, I'd like to see strengthening midfield. Uh, we spoke about Chalaber and, and Gordon Hitman as well, didn't we? And um, I mean, centre back Carlos he continues to talk about other five centre backs of the club, and I, I think it's a well stocked area, isn't it? I, though Albin have been linked in in that regard. So whether they can do anything and, and change one out and one in, I'm, I'm not sure. You know, whether a Caleb Taylor gets sent on loan or something like that. It wasn't in the match day 20, was he, Saturday? So whether something happens there, I, obviously there's a world, you know, there's possibly a world in which, you know, a keeper, a Griffiths goes, in which case you'd think one would, I'd imagine one would have to come in as a backup or a Dean Garner goes out wide and Albin have to do something there to, to replenish there. So let's say, uh, positional wise, does it depend on outgoings? You know, quite possibly. Uh, elsewhere, Alan Love, uh, what do you think of the fluid formation of the team on Saturday? It's the first time I've noticed us play this way, and it has, was working well for most of the game. Cox, are you you touched on this before? Yeah, I, yeah, I touched on it because we saw something different in the in the cup and and league now, haven't we? And then you know, three at the back, not used too often last season. And then Carlos Corban highlighted it in his post match. Actually, you're yeah, talking about. Must have named four or four, must have reeled off four or five formations, maybe more, you know, like that as he was answering a question about the setup and stuff. And yeah, hinted or certainly suggested that it's it's going to be something we see this season. I mentioned whether the striker situation will change things. Um, I do remember hearing when when Corbin was at Huddersfield, obviously Albion fans will have seen uh, his Huddersfield side faces. Albion, would they? I'm, I'm right in saying that, aren't I, Johnny? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, I've been working in the Premier League that season, I don't believe. Um, but yeah, we could could start seeing, a, a, as I say, when he was in charge at Huddersfield, they, they were fluid formation-wise. They were using different things almost by the week. It was hard to pin down what Carlos Corbran did in terms of the formation. So whether that comes with Albion and how often he sees fit to, to change it, I think Corbran always says it's how strong Albion are in that week, you know, personnel-wise, and also who they're coming up against, you know, what the opposition players, where the opposition strengths are. So... Yeah, perhaps as we sit here and now, and certainly before the end of the window, it's it's quite hard to lock down what you think it will be game to game, isn't it? Um, I don't mind it being fluid, I have to say. Yeah, there'll be some who say, well, we need it fixed so people will know what they're doing, what their jobs are, but I don't mind more strings to the bow, as it were. 
Good stuff. Uh, Baggy Al, more of a random fun question. If you could bring in any player, lone player from one of the bigger Prem teams, who would you pick? Um, any Liverpool youngsters you think could do well at your second team, Lewis? We did. Your second <laughs> team being Liverpool. Of, uh, we did it a couple of pods ago, didn't we, John? Yeah. I mentioned a couple of Liverpool players. There, are, there have been others um, who have come on my radar more recently. I'm trying to think now. Is there any that have caught your eye, Johnny? I mean, Patino at Arsenal was one, wasn't he? Charlie Patino, who ironically went to went to Swans uh, and came on at the weekend. It's I, all like Rico Lewis at City, although he's just gone to Leicester City this morning on a five-year deal. Um, has he gone? Yeah, he's gone to Leicester. I haven't seen that. I thought he'd signed a imp- new and improved... No, whether I've read it wrong, it looks like he signed a five-year deal at Leicester. Um, the Enzo Maresca connection there. Um, yeah, of course. Let me check that. Uh, but yeah, he, he's a top talent. I'd have thought he'd have been above it. Uh, above a sort of championship line. No, so he signed a new City deal. New, sorry, new City deal. Gone yeah, on loan. Yeah. And, and perhaps it's, I can't say anything about a loan yet, but perhaps, yeah, he's earmarked for that, for that loan. Um, top talent, isn't he? There's, there's yeah, what am I on about? That's complete. I don't know what the hell I've been reading there. He's, no. um, yeah. Some, no. But someone like him, he, I think Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Patino came on for Swansea the weekend, ironically, the Swans. Won the race for his loan signature um, and, and looked good when he came on, actually. You know, top player, looked good for Blackpool last season. I think Carlos Corban said something the day before his Swansea presser that they've signed some interesting players that Albion may have cast their eyes over. It wouldn't have surprised me if Patino was one. Um, in reference to the question specifically, I, I mentioned um, Doak at Liverpool, the winger, um, recently actually came on against uh, Chelsea the opening weekend. I want to bore people by repeating that but um, who else have we got in the, the big six I, my um, my knowledge isn't, isn't isn't wonderful on those clubs the other depths of kids at those clubs um, United have got a winger called Palestri haven't they I don't know if that would be beyond beyond something like Albion um, again I'd have to know what position specific we were looking at maybe um, both the ones I've just mentioned are wingers a central midfielder as well in Patino Um Chelsea's Lewis Hawes mentioned, wasn't he? The left back. Mm. Um, yeah, he's a good player. Again, strikes me as one that's beyond reach. Yeah. Where where Albion are, what you know, what Chelsea would need from him. He yeah. played enough football for them, hasn't he? But, but we'll see there. Yeah, uh, interesting one. I think I still I still think there are loans to be done this window. Certainly, this the you know second half of this month is interesting, isn't it? Because we're on the fifteenth of August. There's not too much left of the transfer window now. Yeah. For more um, for more made up transfers on the back of Rico Lewis's move to Leicester, tune into the Baggies broadcast next week. Um, I'll be bringing you more of them. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, he, he's he's so well valued. <laughs> I thought City, there's there's no way beyond yeah. beyond the loan they'd they'd be selling him. I've been reading two tweets in one there, haven't I? Uh, ben Wood, uh, the squad seems packed full of divisive players. Bartley, Kipper, Swift being the main examples. Okay, Palmer and Malumbi are the only ones that are universally rated. Um, why is the squad so polarizing? I don't. I wouldn't say rate they players aren't rated. Um, I think to be honest, Ben, we're in the third year of being in the championship this year, and some fans are fed up with certain players. Johnny, um, I think it goes back to what I mentioned earlier, right near the top about the morale being low overall. And yeah, part, I think that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, part, you know, a couple of the, you know we mentioned Malumbi, Palmer, and Ospreay there. If they have a bad run of a couple of games, that you know that. Won't have change in the bank. They'll be they'll be called out by frustrated fans, like you say. Yeah, no, I think that's that, that's probably right. Lee Adams, uh, when Lewis started reporting on West Brom, he firmly nailed his Liverpool colours to the mast. 
But as time has gone on, he has referred to the Albion as we and often made head and heart predictions. So <laughs> has he been converted? Has the club claimed another unsuspected victim? Now, as Baggies fans or listeners from the Baggies broadcast right from the very start will know that Luke Hatfield, who left to go and work for Albion, is now an Albion fan. He's not a Villa fan anymore. I hope he listens to this. Um, no matter how much you claim to be a Villa fan, he's an Albion fan. And I can confirm that Lewis is very much the same. Lewis is a, a West Brom <laughs> fan. He no longer supports Liverpool anymore. Uh, he doesn't want anything to do with the club um, from Anfield. Um, and yeah, he's been converted to Lee. Thanks, um, thanks for speaking on behalf, my behalf there, mate. It's yeah. all right. Spokesman for Lewis Cox says he's now an Albion fan. Sources close to the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my lawyers will be in touch, Johnny. <laughs> uh, nah. Um, do you know what? On, on the we on, on the we front, I, I actually, I mean, sorry if I, I do that. I, I well, or not, or not sorry. I, I don't. Hey, don't apologising for supporting your boy or two. No, I, I don't try to I, I, from a, from the journalistic perspective, <laughs> mate. Because you know, I, obviously, I'm not I'm not a boy Albion fan, so I, they've never been we to me. And from the from the role from the job point of view. I, I kind of, I, I don't think, it's just my opinion, you know, everyone's yeah. different. I, I just don't think it's a, should be a we thing. Yeah, all right, we cover Albion and they're yeah. the reporter off. But it's, it's you know, we're not, we don't do this role of as being fans or sports. And, and even if I was a lifelong Albion fan, I, I in my opinion, shouldn't be a we thing. And that's why maybe, maybe some notice when I say they or there, or, you know, and, and that's not to say I'm not. You know, I say it a bit sometimes as well, even though I'm yeah. having No, I think that's how it should. That's my opinion of how it yeah. should be, really, you know, because you don't want to think you've been like blindsided or, you know, too optimistic or positive because of the, you know, being a supporter side of it. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it shouldn't be weak. So, apologies if it is, I suppose that can just be slip of the tongue or whatever. And yeah. it's, that's what happens when you, you're following a club for 50 odd games up and down. A, up and down the motorway for yeah. nine or ten months, but yeah, no. Um, as to the question, well, I'll you know I'll leave it on Johnny's answer, and you know. <laughs> I think what an interesting point for some fans is that when you cover a club, like obviously, probably my association with Alvin is different because I've supported him since I was a boy. But you know, there's been times where I've covered clubs in the past, and you do get an affiliation with that club. You get an affection for that football club. I covered Tramway Rovers for a time. Um, covered a non-league team for a time. Uh, covered Shrewsbury Town for a bit of time as well, and you do you want them to win, you want them to do well. You have a bit of an uh, not yeah. maybe not an affection, but a bit of an affiliation with them, and and uh, and yeah, that's probably where it stems from. Um, no, absolutely that mate. Yeah, I mean, um, a club I covered previously was for the best part of seven years. I mean, that's and you get a hell of an attachment, and like people come and go, like board positions, managers, players, but obviously you want the team to do well, and it's. Absolutely the same here. With, <clears throat> the same here with Albion. Sorry, um, you know, it makes everyone's life better, our job easier. So yeah, you, and you know, it, it's no secret. It's where are you know, it's the area I grew up. We've got a lot of family and friends who are you know fans of the club. So I, as in previous roles, I've I've gone into looking at clubs blindsided, really, in terms of not knowing a thing. It's nice to with the Albion to have a grasp of you know local context, really, and and. I well remember, you know, well remember growing up, uh, you know, the context about where Albion were being as a, you know, even primary school with, with mates who used to go, you know, would go then and, you know, obviously growing up. Um, one of my first games was at the Hawthorns, ever. Um, I won't go into what game that was because I don't want to upset Albion fans. So we'll Yeah, I know, I know what it was. 
And I think we can from from the conversation we've had, I think those can probably work it out. And um, I could give an obvious clue for those to work it out, but I'm not. I'm not gonna. You know, they can just work it out. Yeah, yeah. Let's take Michael Owen scored four. I think. Well, some someone may have scored four goals. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. A <laughs> uh, couple of questions to finish. Um, we'll just wrap up quickly then. Just have a, a minute on Leeds. Uh, all Albion fans, in regards to attracting players, how important do you think the opening four to six results are for clubs before the transfer window closes? If a club was to lo- win or lose them. Um, it could be the difference between bringing in certain players. Maybe, yeah, I don't really know. I don't really know if players look at that. Um, uh, I potentially. Think yeah, I think there's possibly a little bit in that. I think it's more who you're working under. Like, yeah, we've heard the draw of coming, you know, coming to play under yeah, a coach like Corbin, you know, so highly regarded in the game as someone who can improve a player, improve a club, uh, you know, a team as he did with Albion last season. So, more so the pull of that, I would say. Um, but look, if... If by the end of August you're in the relegation zone rather than in the top six and you've got options as a player, it's a harder sell. There's no getting yeah. away. Yeah. Albeit yeah. if you're alone and the struggling club can say, look, you're going to play every week. Um, as I it's imagine, different. the deal eventually with Sarmiento is, you know, the idea is he plays most games. Um, perhaps if it's a club near the top, it's harder for said lone player to get in and feature. You know, he's going to be more of a squad player. So there's things like that to balance. Yeah. Uh, final question um, from Sonal Patel. He's asked about Swift and dividing opinion and what do we think. We've answered that, but I'm going to just go to his second part of the question. Could you see Sarmiento filling the number 10 spot once he's up and running? Uh, it's an interesting point. And yeah, I could um, to accommodate Phillips probably as well. Mm. Um, we know Sarmiento can play in a 10. So that'll be one to watch for. Yeah, we touched on that, haven't we? Um, previously, I know him, Sarmiento being versatile, being able to do either flank and the 10. Uh, I, I just think it's options, but I think you know, if you need to switch a style or a game up or inject a bit more, I'll drive it. You know, something that Swift doesn't offer or, or something that Sarmiento doesn't offer and Swift needs to come on to unlock a pass. Or, you know, even if it's like uh, how we saw it Stoke and sort of Swift starting from the left and more inverted, you know, and there's not an out-and-out winger. I know some people aren't a huge fan of that and I get that. He's not a winger, clearly, but he's more sort of, you know, comes in more centrally. I know the head coach likes that. Um and let's see what Phillips can bring this season. He started the, you know, his, his goal at Blackburn. I think he was a good performer at Blackburn's Phillips. And I think in that striker role on on Saturday, he did as well as he could. Uh, I would say uh, I think he's had a decent start to the season as Albion players go. So you know, ho- hopefully he's in a he's in the mould where he can. Yeah, you know, we know Phillips historically sort of streaky player has a great run and, and an injury comes along, doesn't it? So touch wood, um, he can you know he can have an injury free time and just. You know, who knows? He's out of contract, isn't he? Who knows if it's going to be his last Albion season? You know, the likelihood is yes, because uh, of the off-field situation. But let's hope he can have a run of consistent form, goals, assists, and you know, maybe change plans. Yeah, hopefully, indeed. Uh, right, Coxie, Leeds. Um, I'm just going to wrap up really quickly. They've got no players. I think they might have to roll out the under-10s uh, if it carries on up there at Ellen Road. <laughs> Are they there for the taking? Is it a good time for Albion to play them? Oh, I think I think it's clearly a good time to go up there, to be honest. Um, yes, they've brought a couple in, haven't they? Um, let's see, Rodan's gone there. And I think there was... Is there another high-profile one? It's just slipped my mind. Apologies for that. But Ethan uh, Ampadu. Yeah, Ampadu was their first one, wasn't it? But their uh, opening results have... Uh, I mean, they, they drew on the opening day, didn't they? I watched bits of that that 2-2 Cardiff game last minute as well, wasn't it? But then yeah. then followed that up with um, a late defeat, didn't they, at, at Blues down the road? Um, tough start. Obviously, their window's been 
all over the place, hasn't it? Farker didn't come in until quite late. I think it's a good time to go there. No getting away from that. I think you'd better go in there now than late September, October, November. So, yeah, that, that little thing about it being under the lights, on the telly, atmosphere in there will be good, won't it? Um, I'm looking forward to it. I've not been before, so ticking one off. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's a... I think it's a good chance and it wouldn't shock me if Albion were to go and get something. Um, but we just know because it's Leeds Albion, it's going to, yeah, it's a high profile game, isn't it? For this division, there's going to be a lot of eyes on it. Um, the host to earlier market is a game to go and make a statement, lay down a sort of gauntlet and, and level. And uh, I suppose from an Albion perspective, we need to hope it's not the game that Farkas Leeds truly get up and running and they're still sort of, in between, a bit of a mishmash of, of where they are, where they're going. And, um, yeah, you know, fancy having to take the good things from, from Swansea up there and uh, and hopefully come out on the right side of a performance and result. Hopefully, indeed. Thank you, Coxie. Thank you, Baggies fans, for all your questions. We only had to wait one week into the season, um, or two weeks into the season, for a win. Hopefully, we'll only have to wait three for a second win. See you at Ellen Road on Friday. The rest of you will be back next week with the Baggies broadcast. I'll be back on Thursday with the Baggies broadcast fan chat show. A couple of guests making their debuts there, so do tune in. But until next time, boing, boing. Boing, boing.